0: For all the properties that I'm willing to put money into, I always have two exits. Either I can fix it up and sell it on MLS, or I can hold on to it It with cash flow. Otherwise, uh, for those that I don't feel that comfortable, I would, I would just wholesale it.
1: This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies. To help you learn about the business, and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show. Today, we have Eddie Lam. Eddie has been investing in the Bay Area for over 14 years and has seen it all. He'll be telling us his story of how he got into real estate investing and how he's been acquiring his deals since 2005. Enjoy. So go ahead and just let everyone know who you are and how you got started with real estate investing.
0: Okay, yeah, my name's Eddie Lam.
1: I'm just like other like
0: Asian in the Bay Area. Uh, my former life is a software engineer, just like you. You,
1: you're an engineer as well, right? That's right. I am an engineer, just okay. like every other Asian in the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah.
0: How it got started, like it, it's just by accident. Well, everyone read the book, like reach that, Poor that, but like what what got me into buying the first piece of real estate is actually my my mommy and all. Like when I was dating my girlfriend back then we want to get married and she said that no you can't you can't marry my daughter until unless you own some real estate so really so i need to buy something but i couldn't afford a big house back then i could only afford a uh very dingy uh condo in san mateo It, it, it was so small like i was so embarrassed to bring friends to my to my place Like she, she's the first lady who got me into real estate. And then a second lady, old lady who got me into real estate is actually the neighbor who's living downstairs. She's the next one that who forced me to sell a property. And then I realized that, wow, you can make so much money in real estate. That that's what, what made me realize that real estate is so powerful. So, so the story of the second old lady is like, she's my neighbor. She lives downstairs. Basically, she's kind of uh, annoyed by, like, very little noise. So she didn't like me walking in, in the condo at night, even though like, it's only around, like, 10 or 11 p.m. She'll be annoyed by it. She'll just keep pounding the ceiling. So uh, <laughs> it's getting worse and worse. Like, at one point, like, she got so pissed, and she's using the vacuum cleaner to, to make noise in her ceiling. So... <laughs> it's noise on my ground, so <laughs> then I, I said, like Well, I can't make her to move, so what about I move? So I decided to sell sell the place and and what happened is like um, I realized that I make a lot of money selling that place after living there for barely about like two years. i uh bought it around like two twenty and then i I sold it around like three twenty something like that. That's basically like almost like two times my uh, my annual salary, the gain. So, just by living there, so I said well I, maybe i i am in the wrong industry the The realtor who helped me to sell the place she didn't have a college degree, she's not an engineer, and she makes tons of money after that like, i I started going to the real learning from here and there, and then slowly i I like acquired the knowledge and wanted to do deals uh what year was that? Uh, it's around like uh, two thousand three or so when I bought the uh, first property.
1: And then, where would you buy your? Oh, I mean, your first property was a condo, right?
0: Yeah, it's a condo in San Mateo. I think it's okay. around
1: like two twenty. So then you started going to like Rias in two thousand five.
0: I don't remember exactly. Probably around that time, like um, when I started out, uh, I was doing buy and hold out of state because we cannot afford to buy in California. So like all these real group, like. They have all these turnkey uh, rentals. They package it and bring it to California and have all the engineers buy those out-of-state rentals.
1: Nice. And so you moved out of your condo. Where did you end up moving after? to? I moved to another one. <laughs> also in San Mateo? <laughs> that one is in Belmont.
0: Yeah, that one I bought it, but then I sold it at a loss because when I sold it, it's around, I think like early 2008. Because uh, I keep going to this rear, and then uh, I think you heard of a guy's name. His name is uh, Bruce Norris. Yeah, Bruce uh, Norris. He, he's a California market timer. And then so after like going to the seminar, like he said that like, you better sell the stuff. Back back then, 2007, 2008, and he was right. So But I listened to him, and and I saw it. Even, even if I, I have to uh, sell it and take a loss, I, I did that anyway.
1: Nice. So uh, 2005 you started going to these RIAs and you started buying out-of-state properties. Where did you start buying?
0: In Texas, Washington State,
1: uh, Idaho, and Utah. Wow, it's a lot of different states. Yeah, don't put
0: all your egg in one nest, right?
1: (laughs) Okay. I mean, they're all turnkey anyway, so are they the same company or is it just different turnkey providers? The first four, probably the same, but then
0: I didn't like the group. Then the last one, I just went on my own way to find a local realtor and buy it there.
1: Nice. So what were you looking for in those
0: out-of-state properties? What they propose is like I thought that that was brilliant idea back then, but it didn't work out. <laughs> well, what they're saying is like you need to accumulate ten rentals, and what you need to do is you once you accumulate ten, then you never sell. What you do is like say for the first five years you accumulate all ten, and then starting the sixth year, you pick the best two performer on the sixth year. On the sixth year, and then you cash out, refi, and take the money out, and that's that's the money like that replace your annual annual salary, and then you keep doing it on the seventh year. You pick the next best two, you cash out, refi, and then you just keep going and going. So it, it's based on the uh theory that like real estate price would always go up and never go down. So <laughs> if that's the case, and then, then it works, but in reality, that's not the case. So what happened? What happened is like, first of all, like uh, it's just going too slow. And then I don't like the out-of-state rental because you have to rely on the property manager to manage your property. It's a key part because they could either make it, change it from positive cash flow to negative cash flow overnight. Maybe it, 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 it still happened to me like last year, one of the rental, the property manager retire. It used to be making money, but once they replaced the new uh, property manager, it, it just go downhill.
1: Wow. Yeah. Cause I mean, you guys, you have to rely on someone else if you're yeah. not there. Yeah. You have to rely on them and they rip you off. They always come up like the bad
0: one, like they always come up with uh, something that that needs to be repaired.
1: <laughs> I see. Yeah. I've been so a thing
0: before I, I I never like, when I look at the repair list, I was like, how, how could this happen?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Before it was fine. Why is it all
0: bad now? Yeah. Then, uh, the money is not like growing as fast as promised. So I start looking into flipping. And um, next step is I bought from MLS in the Bay Area. And when was this? What time? Was that, that was like before, somewhere between like 2005 and 2007. Oh, wow. So you're flipping during the... Yeah, when it was still going up. But I I caught it like almost at the end there. I purchased like three, three properties on MLS. I think I just barely break even on
1: those three, but but the realtor made lots of money. So <laughs> she really liked us. <laughs> cool. how did you even get started with flipping back then? There was, I don't think there was as many meetup groups and there was definitely not as many online resources. So what did you guys do to learn?
0: Yeah, there there isn't that much. There are some courses. They have those real estate investment club. I went to SJREI. There, there are some courses by some guru that's available. I purchased those on eBay. And then what happened? The market turned two thousand eight. Yeah, the market turned, and then it stopped. That was the beginning of the foreclosure. And then I I met a guy when when I was like, I told you that I purchased those courses from eBay. I met a guy on eBay. He's based in LA, and then we became friends. And then he he's introducing the idea of short sale to me. So uh, when I stopped flipping from MLS, the next thing that I did is chase after foreclosure. There there isn't that much equity. Uh, when that happens. So I start like chasing after short sale.
1: There's more equity in short sales versus equity. Yeah, there's no there's no
0: equity there. in short sale. You just create equity by negotiating with the bank. But like since everyone like nobody has equity. So maybe short sale is is the right way to go. My my friend taught taught me into doing that. But I end up like I chase after several like short sale leads but I end up not getting any short sale deal at all. Got it. So then what happened? I realized that well I, I pass on like those short sale to to the realtor friend of mine who helped me to do those those flips and I said well uh, since I'm getting all these like short sale leads I might as well get a license and, and do the, do the listing myself so <laughs> so then I got I got the license by accident well after I got my license I never got any like short sale listing What happened is like after I got the license because uh, my my experience and knowledge on the buy and hold uh, rental outstate, that's the right timing like after that like foreclosure become a common thing in the bay area and there's a several pocket in the bay area where you can buy with 20 25 down in cash flow because i was experienced enough to know the the numbers on those property after i became a realtor i start like bringing investors to buy those properties in the bay area back then it was it was okay, like uh, you know, like engineers make like high income comparing to other industry. When I first started as a realtor, I pretty much made about the same as what I was making as an engineer. Awesome. So uh, it was okay for a while. But deep down in my heart, I still want to do like flip. So and, and by accident, I uh, found out that like two clients of mine they got tons of money. So I start like talking them into flipping, and then I end up
1: teaming. Teaming up with one of them to buying a trustee sale. How are you buying those houses? Was it like loan still, or because they had money, do you buy cash for the whole thing?
0: Yeah, when you, when you buy when you buy a trustee sale, it has to be all cash and, and no no inspection. You can't like do inspection on the property. You can't go inside. So basically, other than the outside, like almost like bought it sight unseen. And you
1: when did you decide to quit full time uh, from your engineering role? Two thousand eight. Wow, during the recession.
0: Yeah, well, I don't know whether it's like lucky or unlucky. I I basically lost my job, so and then it's a good chance for me to just jump in. <laughs> got
1: it. I mean, sometimes layoffs are a good thing, right? Because now you have the opportunity to try something new. Yeah, so two thousand nine. Start doing trusty sales with your rich client. What happened after that?
0: But later on, like he had more passion to become a developer than flipping, because like uh, later on, I realized that uh, he got tons of money, so flipping. The, the gain from flipping is just too small for him, so he went on to become uh, a developer. So I have to do new things. So I I stumble upon uh, uh, direct mail, and then I start doing direct mail after that. So direct mail, how how much did you decide to send out? Oh, I don't know. Like when I started, like my budget is like sixteen, somewhere around like sixteen hundred a month. Okay, that's pretty good. How did you determine who to send out to? Oh, basically when I started. I don't know. Don't know much. Basically, just try to find someone. They said like absentee owner, high equity. Mm-hmm. So basically, that's what I did. But it took it took almost a year to get the first deal. I don't know what kept me going. It's kind of stupid to keep burning like sixteen hundred a month. Is <laughs> that <laughs> like your
1: first deal? But you got by yourself. Yeah, that's my first solo deal. And how'd I go?
0: That one is actually a uh, house in. Um in San Diego. Uh, it's a two bedroom, one bath, I think like around like 600 to 800 square feet. Uh, it has serious foundation issues. You can see the curve on the floor. Like If you put a, a marble in the middle of it, it would roll either way. It's uh, owned by an uh, out-of-state person, so absentee owner. Uh, what happened is he inherited the property from his thing like grandfather and his grandfather ran it to a friend of his old guy living there at a very low price, like I think like 500, 600 a month for the rent because like he's not getting much rent and it has serious foundation issue. It turns out that uh, his brother is local and his brother is a contractor. He went on site with me to show me the property and he agreed that the property needs lots of work. That one, I remember the number, I bought it at 60,000 and then I flip it to uh, to a contractor that I know back then for 120.
1: Oh, you wholesaled it?
0: Yeah, I, I I don't know how you define co- uh, wholesale, but I actually closed on it, and then I I sold it
1: after I closed. Okay, that's so pretty good. Wow, right. San the Andrew for sixty thousand dollars? Yeah, back then. <laughs> wow, back then. Don't you wish you kept it? No,
0: I well I need the money to to do the business, so I couldn't. And back then, I'm not experienced enough to fix the uh the foundation issue. It's it's really bad. So has
1: Mailers been your only source of leads? What else have you been doing?
0: Direct mail was, was my only source of lead. And I've been doing that until like 2017.
1: Wow. And still at only 1600 a month or did you wrap it up?
0: Yeah, I bumped it up a lot. In 2017, I was up about like 10000 a month. Whoa. Yeah, that's a lot of money. And, and, and somehow it, it stopped working for me. I, I felt like I was a newbie uh, again because I was going
1: through almost a year without getting any deal at all. Just like when I started. So basically 2016 to 2017, you would send out 10000 a month and get nothing. Second half of 2017 to uh, 2018. Well, honestly, it's a blessing in disguise because that's when the property shot up like crazy. And then mid 2018, that's when it peaked. And then now it's still on its decline. Yeah, well, well, after six months, I tuned down. I couldn't keep burning cash
0: like 10000 a month and not getting any income at all. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, is that your main source of income right now, flipping homes or do you have other things going on?
0: I accumulate some rentals. Basically, the the rental is is good enough, but then I
1: still like need to do some flip and and go to the next level. So Yeah, that's true. So then at your peak, like how many projects were you doing? I rarely go
0: more than two projects at the same time. In the Bay Area, uh you don't need that many deals to like make a lot of money. <laughs>
1: Yeah that's true. How did you find the contractors to work with? I think a lot of people are having that problem right now. I knew the contractor
0: like when I was uh, buying a trustee sale, my partner like uh, got some referral and and then uh, we've been using that contractor uh, since then. but then he retired a couple of years back, so I'm now working with
1: um, his apprentice, so the contractor's second generation. <laughs> nice. that's pretty cool. How do you like analyze your deals now? What do you need to determine and say, I want this one versus let me I'll pass on this one?
0: If I want to take on a project, it better to be like more than a hundred thousand that that I can make when I'm done with it. And also it depends on how much money that I need to put in. So say say for example, if I can buy something around like three hundred, four hundred thousand and I can get the uh repair done around like fifty, sixty thousand. So I'm in about like 350 or 450 and if I can come out making at least 100 grand I'm fine with it but anything less than that I might as well just wholesale it
1: 350 for purchase price that seems very low where are you buying a property for 350
0: it depends on on East Bay I, I could do it uh, there's another one in San Jose that I bought it last year I paid like 200 for it so really? there's still deals that you can buy at that price range, but
1: most of the time, it's like, like you need to go up to at least like half million to buy a deal. Uh, at least. I mean, most of the deals that my friends and I have been looking at is like a million plus. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, are you still buying them with cash or do you have hard money involved?
0: Yeah, I always use my own money to, to close. That's why I, it's, it's, I didn't go to the million dollar level, but I
1: would start, I would start considering that because like the deals are getting expensive. And well, at least the good thing is, at least with uh, your style, you're able to buy it and not have to worry about selling it when you don't want to, right? Because you're buying cash, you can hold on to it for whatever, however long you want.
0: Yeah, for for whatever, for all the properties that I'm willing to put money into, I always have two exits. Either I can fix it up and sell it on MLS, or I can hold on to it it with cash flow. So I always have make sure that I have two exits before I put my own money in.
1: Otherwise uh, for those that I don't feel that comfortable, I would I would just wholesale it. Yeah, that's really smart. So I guess you're not buying properties in like Sunnyvale or Palo Alto. You're uh, focusing I did more buy on one in Sunnyvale but like not reason. Maybe
0: East San Jose. Throughout my career I bought one in San Francisco County and
1: one in San Mateo County. All the others are like South Bay and East Bay. Yeah, I mean that's pretty crazy that you could still make a hundred thousand dollars spread from a uh, you know three fifty k property.
0: That was like a few years back. That one, like I think my profit
1: was around like one fifty on that one. Wow! Congratulations! Thank you. Can you talk about how you're even finding properties for two hundred grand in San Jose? That, that <laughs> seems very. Uh, that's pretty rare. It, it's just by accident. Like I, I like
0: I like that number two hundred thousand. Let me see. I think I bought like four properties around that price range, two hundred thousand. I could buy that with cash too. <laughs> no, but, but no, I, I have a theory <laughs> behind that. Like I bought these from old people. Maybe back then at the time like two hundred grand seems to be a good number for the property that they purchased and they want to sell it at that price. <laughs> I don't know. That's just a theory. <laughs> That's crazy. So well tell me the story, how you get that. It's true direct mail. It's it's the the one that I sent out like a uh, lots of direct mail for almost a year before I got that one. It's actually an abandoned property. The guy that I bought it from, I've been sending him direct mail since 2015, but he never contacted me. He never called me. Nothing, nothing happened. And, and this time, like uh, he called me up and later on, what I found out is uh, he got a stroke the year before the stroke affect his vision. So, the doctor asked him, hey, you can no longer drive because it's dangerous for you to drive. So basically he has to sell his car. Uh, he has, he, he's like basically just walking distance. That's his area that he can go to. The property is, is in San Jose. So obviously he cannot go there and he cannot drive. So he, he cannot have someone to Fix the property for him because he can he cannot uh, monitor the work. So he called me up. It's a family home, but then he moved away for more than ten years. It's been uh, vandalized by some people, some some homeless people. He couldn't uh, keep up with the property, so he did, decided to sell sell me the property. And then, how much work did it need to be complete? Basically, everything. Uh, I can I can send you the pictures. It's so ugly that like basically. Uh, new kitchen, new bath, new windows, new roof, new new electrical system. Basically everything. How much that cost? <laughs> cost me roughly like sixty five thousand.
1: That seems pretty cheap. <laughs> because you need to know the right contractor. That's pretty good. Congratulations for knowing the right contractor. <laughs> Okay, and then I guess you turn it around. Are you gonna hold on to that one? Or did you sell it?
0: If I had enough cash i I might
1: hold on to it, but
0: like i uh, I need cash to just continue to run the marketing, so I sold that one. Did it do okay? yeah, very okay, <laughs> yeah,
1: well, yeah, I sold it at seven twenty Wow, so you put you bought for two hundred, you put in sixty five and you sold for seven twenty yeah. Congratulations, thank you. That's amazing. Did you work with that with somebody else, or was that all just you and your team?
0: Yeah, it, it's just just myself, yeah.
1: cool. See, I guess if you persist enough, you can definitely get very, very good deals still. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been mailing for quite some time now, yeah, so when I was mailing people, one of the things that stopped me, you know besides spending money every month on direct mail, was that I would get a bunch of phone calls from people. <laughs> and the phone calls are always like super, super nasty for the most part. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that experience?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I share that with you. I got a very nasty uh, voicemail from a lady.
1: All right, we'll put that in right here. Um, stop sending your communist propaganda about uh, cash. Uh, we don't want your 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 bad money, your corrupt money, your communist Chinese money. Go go back to China where there's communism. We, we we don't want you destroying our freedoms here, polluting this country with your communist agenda.
0: All right, now we're back. So, well, I, I guess like, yeah, well, for the first few time, like, it, it kind of feel uncomfortable. Maybe you get upset or you, you're not happy, but after a while you, you get used to it. Like, I, I bet you like, if you talk face to face with those people, they would never say that thing to you in face. I'm pretty sure about it. Yeah. It just happened that like they're not talking to a human, they don't know you, and they know that like they can say whatever they want, nasty stuff. But then at the end of the day, if
1: that's what you need to deal with to make lots of money, I'm fine with it. It's a small sacrifice to pay. Yeah. Do you track your metrics to see how effective your mailing campaign is?
0: I still do, yeah but I like, um, haven't done any direct mail uh, this year because like it's not working well. So I'm trying to develop other source to get me leads. So, yeah, what
1: what kind of stuff are you doing now?
0: I've been uh, having a person, well, I, I actually outsource that to a company to do cold calling for me. So basically, in, instead of me cold calling people, uh, a company, would they would hire VA overseas and do cold calling for you. And and they manage that VA. How's that working out? I've heard
1: about that service before, and I wasn't sure if it was worth it.
0: Yeah, it's not working very well. They they claim that like before I sign up, they promised me the world. They said you can you can get like four or five leads a day, but that's not the case. Yeah, of course. I mean, cold calling is very difficult, you know. Yeah, yeah. I know a guy like he, but that's that's the only thing that he does. He his market is in Sacramento. See, that's not here though. <laughs> Sacramento is is different. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I know it, the price range is different, but but I'm always like wondering. Like I know there are some real estate agents. The only thing that they do is cold calling, and they they make a lot of money. So I, I think like it works. Maybe
1: like it
0: depends on the person.
1: Yeah. Oh, so are you cold calling to represent them as an agent, or are you cold calling no, to, I like, buy call the house? to
0: find deal? But I'm saying like it's almost the same thing. Like real estate agent and and us. The only difference is like we buy versus we, we have them to list on the market. So if, if a real estate agent can do cold calling and get listing, I think we should be able to do cold calling and, and get a deal.
1: Maybe. And the way I see it though, it feels like real estate agents are a little bit more respected than buyers because when they see us want to <laughs> buy your house off market, they think of us as like elite. No way. We're no like, way. I don't think like people respect you know? real estate agent at all. I, I was well, I mean. why <laughs> <at that. laughs> not? oh i mean like at least it's like okay this guy's trying to provide a service whereas oh this guy's trying to scam me and buy my house no 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 not not that (laughs) they
0: always like shop for the agent with the lowest commission that that's the truth so
1: you don't do that anymore right like you're focused
0: only on pretty much investing once in a while i do get a listing
1: but that's not the main source of my income so what do you do like what does your day-to-day look like
0: Working from home, like sometimes it's 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 that boring. I, I and I know why. Like on HGTV, when they do those programs, they always go to the job site, trying to uh, videotape them when they're fixing a house, but never like how they find a deal because finding the deal part it, it's not exciting at all. Like basically, you need to come through the leads, you need to like look at your spreadsheet, like making follow up calls this and stuff and lately like uh, what I've been doing is I I hire a virtual assistant so this week like I spent some time like trying to assign her some tasks that I was working on trying to unload the work on myself that's what I've been doing lately so but typically like uh, the life of a real estate investor at least from my point of view is like working on uh, getting some new leads getting some new data trying to plan out the next marketing campaign Taking calls, trying to set the appointment, go out to appointment and
1: look for the next deal. Nice. But other than that, you you know, it seems like you wake up really late, take your time, do whatever you need to do, (laughs) enjoy life. No, I I got two kids. I need
0: to get up early. Yeah. Number of hours that I can work every day is very limited. Does your wife uh is she working right now? Yeah, yeah, she works. She works. You don't let her retire? Well, she, she wants to keep her job. She, won't, she, she, she doesn't want to stay home and take care of the kids. She lets you do that, right? <laughs> no,
1: I don't take care of the kids, but I just pick them up at, after school. So <laughs> nice. Well, let's see. You've also been doing this for a very long time now, right? Like I said, maybe 10 plus years.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You've obviously acquired so much more knowledge than when you first started. Yeah. So if you can go back in time and tell yourself some advice, what would you tell yourself?
0: I would say definitely you need to go out and try to team up some people with more experience and try to learn from them instead of trying to figure it out all by yourself. Because that's all, I've seen that like many people, they go from nothing to become very successful in a very short period of time because, of do, because they do that. Uh, I, I'm not at, doing that i'm not good at like networking trying to be friend with people that's something that that everyone needs to, to learn that's
1: some really good advice yeah is there somebody in particular that you wish that you would have like talked to back then and i would say he
0: he already like uh, become very big the way I knew him is through his seminar. So, you know, like when people start talking in front of like hundreds of people, they are very, they're already very successful. Mm-hmm. And like back then, I, I knew nothing. It's very hard for someone who is like a, almost like a guru to team up with someone who knows nothing. So, I would say maybe like next best thing is try to find someone who doesn't want to be, uh, very famous, who is not a guru, but then like maybe got a little bit more experience than you do, and willing to like share the information with you. That would help you to go to the next level very quickly. And nowadays, like there are so many like mastermind group uh, networking event that you can go to. Uh, that would definitely help you to propel your business to the next level very quickly.
1: If you're a brand new investor and you have no experience, you don't, probably don't have the money, you have nothing really going on for you. What would you say to you know, entice this more experienced investor to allow you to work with them?
0: Well, I would say best thing is you find a deal and then maybe you team up with them and, and you give them a share of the deal and, and they will teach you how to finish the deal. And, and if you're good, then they like you, they team up with you on more deals in the future. But like That's it's always really hard amazing. to find the first deal. So if you have no money at the beginning, like you can't do direct mail. Maybe driving for dollar would be, would be a good way to, uh, to generate leads. I, I haven't done that intensively, but like throughout my career, I purchased at least one property, uh, from uh, driving for dollar. And I know that like uh, some people, uh, driving for dollar is their main source of lead car like you can ride a bike or you can jog around the neighborhood and find out
1: like abandoned properties you know i saw this one property near my house and it's a duplex and the weeds are up to like my height so six feet tall really man this is gonna be perfect and i i tracked this guy down you know i looked him up found his name on title and found his phone number through you know public research i called him he's alive (laughs) and he's like nah i'm trying to remodel the place damn it
0: (laughs) Yeah, it, it happened to me more than once. Like somehow like Bay Area, property owners, I I think they are different type of people because uh, there are at least like two two properties that I, that I remember. I can show you the pictures. It's completely abandoned, boarded up. It's been vacant for a long time. And I remember like when I talked to one of them, she said, I'm not selling. And then when I talked to the other one, she said, I want 3.6 million for it. <laughs> You have 3.4 million for that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. They they just leave the property vacant and they don't do
1: nothing and they're not selling it. I, I don't understand. I mean, people do that, like really rich people do that in Arcadia, you know, in SoCal. They buy these giant $5 million mansions and they leave it empty. Not even, they don't even rent it. Empty. Crazy. Oh, by
0: the way, you asked me my day to day activity. As a yeah. being a real estate investor, I, I start documenting my uh my life as a real estate investor on IG. So you can you can follow me on IG. Nice. So yeah, how can people contact you? They can follow me on IG, um, Bay Area Houses Buyer, and they can also find me on um,
1: on uh, Facebook, Eddie uh, Nam Real Estate. Cool. Awesome. Well, Eddie, thank you so much for being on the show today, and thank you for sharing so much knowledge. Look forward to see you at the next meetup. Okay, all right, thanks
0: for having me. See you next time.
1: Here are some of the key takeaways I got from speaking with Eddie. Buying properties out of the area means you need to rely on someone else and you might have a larger chance of getting ripped off. The market has also changed and the old strategies of just sending out mailers doesn't seem to work as well. But whatever you do, you need to stay consistent. He was able to buy a deal in San Jose for just $200,000 after mailing to the same person for over three years. And when you buy a property, Make sure you have multiple exit strategies so that you aren't forced to take a loss. And finally, if you want to be really successful in this business, align yourself with a mentor and offer value. I hope you learned a lot. Thanks and have a great day. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It'll take less than a second and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at seanpanrealty at gmail.com. That's S-E-A-N-P-A-N-R-E-A-L-T-Y at gmail.com.